few minutes in the house. Do you remember where you were when he reached his hand down? When he brought you out of the miry clay and set your feet on something solid. Set your feet on the rock. Oh, go ahead and magnify the Lord tonight. Glory to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, yes, 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 yes. Well, it feels good in the house of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you to all of our guests for being with us tonight. Thank you to all of our faithful members for being in the house of the Lord tonight. I'm going to preach what the Lord laid on my heart this week. I'm going to ask you to be in prayer with me as I preach tonight. I believe God wants to do something special in somebody's life. It may be a turning point or direction in somebody's life. Amen. Psalm 127, if you have your Bibles, would like to turn with me. It will be on the screen behind me. I'm only going to read just a short portion here tonight and use it as a springboard into what I feel that the Lord would have me say to this congregation tonight. Psalm 127 and verse number 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Now that's real short. You may not even have a Bible. Maybe you can't read, but you can remember it, all right? I want you to go with me right now. I want you to say it with me right now. Except the Lord... Build a house, they labor in vain that build it. Lord Jesus, help me tonight to preach what you have laid up on my heart. Help me tonight, O oh God, to speak your word as you have spoken it into my spirit. I pray right now for divine influence of the Holy Ghost to rest upon your messenger and upon the words that I preach over the next few minutes and that power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost may rest upon this congregation tonight and hearts and lives may be changed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Greet four or five people around you before you are seated tonight and tell them it's time to build the Lord's house. It's time to build the Lord's house. It's time to build the Lord's house. Amen. Now, I would suppose tonight that you would anticipate that I am going to preach a message tonight that is related to our building project, and indeed you are correct. But I am not speaking of the structure that we are building tonight, but I am going to, by the help of the Lord and by your help tonight, to preach about the building project of the church now, if that just slid right past you tonight, I will not be preaching tonight about the building of our building structure. I will be preaching tonight about the building of the body of Christ. I read a little story, and I want to share it with you. After her husband's death from tuberculosis in 1881, Sarah Winchester inherited more than 20 and a half million dollars. Not too bad in 1881. 
put that in perspective, what would that be equivalent to today? Let's just say that 20 and a half million dollars is a lot of money in my world today. It would revolutionize my life. If anyone wants to put me in your inheritance, I would gladly oblige. I, I will give you all of my private and personal information once the attorney checked out and made sure you really had $20.5 million to be able to give. Uh, it's unfathomable to think how much money that may be in 1881. Not only was her inheritance amazing, but... Sarah Winchester also received uh, a partial ownership uh, of the Winchester Arms Company. And the income from her portion of ownership in the Winchester Arms Company gave her roughly $1,000 a day. I'm not sure if we could live off of that. In 1881, it may have been a struggle, but I'm sure she did all right. Uh, th that's, uh, that's just, it's an unfathomable amount of money. But not only was her inheritance um, amazing, but now she receives $1,000 a day in, in uh, income. So in 1884, she purchased an unfinished farmhouse in Santa Clara, Valley, California. And the problem was that the farmhouse was believed to be haunted. It was believed to be haunted by the spirits of those who had been killed by the Winchester firearms that her inheritance had come from. And she went to a local palm reader and she inquired of them and they gave her direction that uh, the only thing that she could do to drive away the evil spirits that was haunting her home and was haunting her day and night was that she must go into a continual building project in her home. She was to build. She believed that the ring of the hammer and the sound of construction men working would keep the evil spirits at bay. And so she used her tremendous amount of wealth, which uh, was astounding in that day and would even be today. But she used it to fund the ongoing construction to appease these haunting spirits that lived in her home. In a twisted way of thinking, it was, it was stated in the uh, books that she built this home and she moved to a different room. She slept in a different room every night to confuse the spirits so they would not know where she slept. And she would continually, 24 hours a day, I'm sure it was more than the haunting spirits, but the sounds of hammers and saws at midnight probably caused her to go to the other end of the four and a half acre home. Carpenters were hired and they worked around the clock day and night 
to build this seven-story mansion that was later lowered to four stories because of an earthquake in California. She didn't use an architect to add on to the building. She just sketched up her imagination in her haphazard fashion and would tell them this is what we want you to build. So the home contained numerous oddities such as doors and stairs that led to nowhere. Windows overlooking other rooms and stairs with odd-sized risers because it was a building that was very oddly framed together. It was just put together in rare oddities. The house was so large to explain to you the magnificent size of this home that was built out of redwood siding, which she hated the appearance of, so she decided to paint it and they now continue in the restoration project to, to paint the home. It is a continual process of building and working. But in order to paint the entire residence, it takes 20,500 gallons of paint. Anybody want to move in that house and clean it? There are roughly 160 rooms, including 40 bedrooms, two ballrooms, 47 fireplaces, and over 10,000 panes of glass, 17 chimneys, two basements, and three elevators covering four and a half acres of land. It's amazing in size. You can visit when Sarah Winchester died. The house was sold at auction to a local investor for a whopping $135,000. It was considered unfit to live in. Its bizarre nature of building and construction caused it to be undesirable. And so an investor purchased the home to turn it into a tourist attraction. The point of me sharing this story with you tonight is very simple. You can spend your entire life and a fortune in building yourself a life. But if it is not built on the Lord Jesus Christ in the end you will have nothing of real value. We as a church and as a body can spend our entire mission and ministry building buildings and expanding buildings. As a matter of fact, I, I jokingly told people at conference this week who uh, repeatedly asked about our building project, which has been heavily promoted on social media by uh, maybe a young man here in the church, and um, members who copy and paste my son and uh, share. Uh, it's been highly publicized. So people that I hardly knew came up and said, oh, we're watching your building. It's amazing. It's wonderful. It's awesome. It's good. How are things going? Asking questions about it. And I jokingly would say to them, uh, well, we're only building a gym and we have two other buildings to go after this. And uh, there'll be a space of time, of course, between this building and the next building and, and the next building unless the Lord drops a lot of money in our pockets. But um, uh, basically, just expect to know that I will spend the rest of my ministry in a building project. 
possibly even the rest of my life. And as I walked away from saying that from someone, all of a sudden the Lord smote my heart and said, continue to say that. Because the building project that I want you to spend the rest of your life in ministry on has very little to do with a building. But has everything with building the kingdom of God. Because if the Lord, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain that built it. Because a fire, an earthquake, a tornado, a hurricane, a flood can wipe it out. But what the Lord builds is built on a solid rock. And nothing will ever be able to stop it. Not even the gates of hell can stand against the church. We are called, we are called to spend our life building things that are eternal. The church that I'm preaching about tonight is not built of wood. It is not built of stone. It's not a magnificent temple, but it is a magnificent body of believers that come together on Sunday. I intentionally showed up late tonight because I just wanted to be blessed by the scene as I walked in. I pulled into the parking lot. I looked around and thank God that our fine ushers and I'm blessed to have a reserved parking space it's a premium here I looked as I saw in the back of the parking lot vehicles double stacked I walked in the door was met by a fine greeter that took me by the hand and laid hands on me and prayed for me before I ever walked into the building it's humbling and I turned and looked and saw our ushers as they were grabbing chairs to bring them in the back to be able to seat everyone tonight and I thought yes God go ahead and build your church go ahead and build your church go ahead and build your church we need space to park and buildings to worship in. I understand but this church is greater than any building we'll ever build or any parking lot we'll ever construct. This is the church of the living God. Oh if you're glad you're part of the church, take a moment and just magnify the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. I've lived long enough to watch the church go through its ups and downs. I've watched as the church has gone through good times and bads. I at conference this week bumped into friends, acquaintances, some Bible school friends and some that I have been acquainted with over the years. I was blessed to be able to sit down with some men that greatly impacted my life, my wife and I, uh, probably one of the highlight moments of the conference, pardon me, Tonight, for being emotional, per perhaps one of the highlights of the conference was an opportunity we had to be able to sit down with a man that highly influenced my life when I was in Bible college, influenced my wife's life. I was able to stop by and speak at a restaurant to Pastor Roch, who is the pastor of a great, thriving, and growing church in Houston, Texas. It was our REP church, or the church that we temporarily attended while we were in college. And uh, you had to choose, it had to be approved, and all the above. And so uh, I don't even recall what REP stands for, but uh, we both ended up going to the same church together because it was a long distance drive and we were wanting to get to know one another, and it was illegal for us to date because my wife was a freshman. 
and I was an upperclassman and, and freshman and were not allowed to legally go on dates, but we could go to church together. We only couldn't ride alone, so we never left campus together. Honesty's good for the soul. Thank God for HEB that sat just around the corner, all night parking. You could pull in, park a car, she could jump in, and we could go to church together. I was blessed to be able to go to Brother Roch and shake his hand. He didn't remember me. I remembered him. I talked about it. I brought him back, and I saw his eyes light up as he talked about the building that they were in. It was a building that was no larger, probably not as large as this building at that time. It was packed wall to wall. Today, they're in a magnificent facility, uh, several thousand square feet, a growing and thriving church primarily built... uh, uh, primarily membership in the church was African Americans and uh, of course he is Caucasian it's very, very uh, different but the church has grown and thrived and my wife and I stopped and we spoke with him and talked to he and his wife and I just took a little time to thank him for his investment uh, into our lives while we were in Bible college I was blessed to be able to sit down one of the highlight moments I stepped across uh, a hallway and just shook the hand of Brother Ari Libby, who highly influenced my life. He preached a lot at Texas Bible College when we were there. I stepped across the aisle and shook his hand, and uh, he kind of looked at me, and he said, I, how you doing? And I, I saw, I heard the, the, the talk. He, he, he was saying, yeah, yeah, how are things at, at you and, and your church, and, and your, you know, uh, how, how about family? How's the family? And I knew that he was not recalling uh, clearly who I was. It just was not dawning on him. And I, I spoke uh, my name. And when I did, I saw his eyes light up. And, and uh, all of a sudden, he, the smile came across his face. And he immediately asked about my wife. Where, where is your wife? And uh, I said, she'll be here in a minute. She's talking to somebody behind me. She's always talking to somebody in the halls. But she'll be here in a minute and catch up. And so she came over and the conversation moved from where he was to his wife suggesting that we take a seat. And we went over and sat down in the lobby. And of course, my wife thinks that she has to turn the lights off anytime that we go to church, no matter where it's at, even at the convention center. They were running sweepers around us. They were walking by looking at us strangely. But we sat and we talked. We talked about the good times and the bad times. We talked about hardship and struggle. I heard from some of my other friends, some pastoring, that their church has faced difficulties and they, they, haven't, uh, they haven't grown, but instead they've been in decline. I talked to others that are building fantastic churches and I listened and I thought of how the church has ups and downs. It, it, there's good times and there's bad times. You're never going to find a perfect setting. There's no such thing as a perfect church. I, I borrow from the words of somebody much wiser than me that told someone who was wanting to attend their church. They said very simply this is not a perfect church but if it was I would have to ask you not to attend because you would mess up our good record. 
We know we're not perfect. We understand that we're made up of imperfect individuals. We're a group of people. We make mistakes. We offend. We hurt. Not intentionally, but it happens. We won't always see eye to eye. Things are never going to always go the way that you want them to go. And they certainly never go the way that I want to see them go. But all together, we are part of the body of Christ. There is more that brings us together than drives us apart. What I'm coming to preach to you tonight night is that this church has stood through the test of time. It stood through the hardships of the, of the first, second, and third century. It stood through the fifth and sixth century. It stood through good times and bad times. The modern church has stood through depressions and recessions. It stood through splits and divisions. It's, it's, stood through pastoral changes. It stood through all sorts of things. But I come tonight to tell you that I feel more confident in the apostolic church than I have ever felt before. I know not everybody shares my sentiments tonight, but I tell you that the church is moving forward and we're closer to the sound of the trumpet than we've ever been before. I admonish you tonight, if you're not part of the church, get in the the church. Get on board in the church. Be part of the church. This is the bride of Christ. We're making ourselves ready for that day when he calls us home. Oh, somebody thank the Lord for the church. The church is so much more than a building. It's so much more than wood and stone. It's, the, it's, it's so much more than lights and air and heated uh, heat. It, it's so much more than padded pews. That's only what makes up the building. But the church is about what goes on inside the building. Everybody needs to be connected to the church. I did a funeral this week. And in doing so, I ran into some folks, maybe not all that were part of a church. Some of them came to me. They, they didn't really know what to say, and I tried to offer words of comfort to them. I tried to speak words to them, and in my heart, my heart was so heavy. I can't explain to you. I sometimes jokingly say to my wife, I'm in the wrong business. I cry at everything. I can't, I'm doing a funeral of someone that I do not even know, and I couldn't help but shed tears. I, I, I don't, it's just in my nature, I suppose. The Bible says to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. The, the weeping comes easy for me. I, I can't explain it. My heart was touched, and, and, but not so much over death, but over, uh, over the fact that there were so many people that I met and talked to and spoke to that doesn't have a connection to a church. There were so many that didn't have, they, they, they seemed hopeless. When I spoke of the hope of heaven, I saw a few head nods, but I saw some that just with a blank look, kind of, I don't even know what he's talking about. I came tonight to share with you that on this Sunday night, we look around, we rejoice with music and singing, but I simply had them recite with me the Lord's Prayer at the graveside and was shocked at the scores of people that could not even join in and say the Lord's prayer with me because they were not familiar enough with it. 
while we're here tonight among people that know about Jesus and his love and grace and mercy around us in north central Indiana, there are scores of people that do not know who Jesus is. We think because we were raised up on a church pew and mom and dad or grandma and grandpa brought us or we came to church at an early age that everybody has had this opportunity. But I got to tell you tonight, it's time that the church gets outside the four walls. We've got to take this out to somebody. We've got to go out to, we've got to, as Brother Art Hodges said, we've got to take this message and we've got to go with it. We've got to tell everybody about about the Lord. We've got to share this message. Everybody needs connected to the church. God has blessed our church. I want to quit referring to our church as Christian Life Church of Frankfurt as we have been known. But I want to be a church to this region. I want to be a, a beacon of hope and life to this entire area of north central Indiana. Somebody was talking about vision. And I said this week my vision is much greater than my budget. If only we had the budget. What do you see, Pastor? Where do you see the future? We're building a building. Absolutely we are. But that's not going to stop us from planting churches in areas that don't have one. That's not going to prevent us from going out into areas that don't have a church and telling them about the goodness of the Lord. Everybody needs connected to the church. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, get connected. Get connected. Go ahead, tell them, get connected. Listen, we got to be connected. If a building is not connected, it's not even a building. It's a Menards. I wish that was original, but I heard it. If a church is not connected, it's not a church. It's a building. But the church is more than a building. The Bible said we are a building fitly framed together. My question tonight is are you together? Are you with us? Are we together? Because the church has to be together. Because when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Ain't nobody going to help me preach tonight. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. Together. Together. Everybody shout together. The church has got to be together. We've got to be together. We're a building fitly framed together. We're not a church until we are uniquely put together. And we must be about the Lord's business. When we are together, it can't be about me and it can't be about you. It's got to be about the purpose of the church, the bride of Christ. I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody. Everybody's got to go to heaven. Everybody needs a chance to be saved. We've got to do this thing together. Everybody shout together. 
I said when we started building the building that it would be an absolute failure in my mind and in my heart if we build a building and we lose one member of the church over a building. I don't care what color the carpet is. Don't get offended enough that you leave the church over it. I've heard people say people will die for the doctrine and kill over the color of the carpet. Let's not let that happen. We've got to be together. We are building a church. We're building a building. But it's something greater than the building. It is the church. we got to be able to pray together, worship together, work and labor together. God is building His church. He said, upon this rock, upon the revelation of the mighty God in Christ, I come tonight to stand in this pulpit and remind you you that I still believe in one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. I still believe in repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus and the essentiality of the infilling of the Holy Ghost. I still believe in living a separated life from the world, coming out from among them and be separate. We're building a church that's greater than a building. Oh, somebody thank the Lord for the church. Hallelujah. We must be about the Lord's business. Brother David Bedard reminded us, we must be about the Lord's business. He challenged us Friday night, and I know a lot of you were there, but for those that weren't there, I want to remind you, he said, be strong and build the house of the Lord. Be strong and build the house of the Lord. That's what we've got to do. We've got to be strong in these days. The church is no place for the weak. The weak are made strong by the power of the Holy Ghost. You can't be weak. If you're weak, you need to get in the church and get made strong. You can't be vacillating. You can't be wishy-washy in Indiana vernacular. I'm picking it up. I'm learning it 25 years later. The church has got to be strong. But the church is more than a building. We must be about the Lord's business. A church must be unified. We can't be divided. Division of language was how the building of the Tower of Babel was stopped by division. Division doesn't build. Unity and togetherness is how the church was built. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord and in one, in, in one place. Let me preach for a moment about what being in one accord means. It doesn't mean, do you think there were differences in 120 people gathered in an upper room? There probably were differences. Differences of opinion. Differences of ideas. There may be some that didn't fit in with other social cliques and social groups. There may be in some, somebody wanted to be the speaker and somebody wanted to be the, the soloist and somebody wanted to lead the prayer and they weren't get asked. I'm sure there were all sorts of ideas because they didn't even have the Holy Ghost, but they were together. Right. Right. My God. My God. My God. My God. 
Oh, we see it all wonderful. They didn't even have the Holy Ghost, but they had the ability to come together. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you ought to be unified together with the body of Christ. It doesn't matter who gets the part, who gets the solo, who gets the credit, whose name gets mentioned. It doesn't matter. We are building the Lord's house. We are about the kingdom of God. Christian Life Church has been blessed with such a rich heritage. I'm honored tonight to stand here in this pulpit. We've been blessed with tremendous leadership in our past. We have had wonderful members that have remained faithful to this church, some from its very beginning for almost 50, for over 50 years actually, that we, I guess uh, over 51 years now, that uh, we have been together as a church. Gifted men and women have carried this vision and work tirelessly. They have given of their time and their talent and their treasure so that we could arrive at this moment tonight. I wonder, I wonder if a few of those elders that are here tonight that first met over on Kelly Road that was part of that assembly. I wonder if there was ever a day that you would dream that when you bought this property to build this building that it would have already been through three expansions and remodels that blew out walls on the platform and the back wall. Would you ever have believed that we had to buy property to the south and add on to the parking lot and steal tonight on this October Sunday night in 2016 that we would be sitting chairs when there's not even an evangelist or a singing group to draw the crowd, but the people of God are coming together. We've stayed together. We've prayed together. We've wept together. We've loved together. We've hurt together. We've been through it together. That's what's going to keep this church moving until the trumpet sounds. We've got to get together. We've got to work together. How valuable and how precious is the Lord's house to you? How valuable is this church to you? How valuable is coming in and having a place that still preaches the truth? One of my good friends, and I'm sure he meant no harm by it, and I still consider him a friend, made a statement about me to a group of preachers. And he made the statement, and in the statement that he made that got back to me very clear from two or three different people in a joking manner, they said, yeah, Phil Jordan has become a throwback preacher. I'll wear that badge with honor. If I could be counted... Among the list of pioneers and builders and growers. If I could be considered among those that stood through the test of time until the end. Only time will tell. But I'll wear that badge with honor. I don't care if they call us a throwback church or not. We're a church of the name of Jesus. We go all the way back to the beginning. We go all the way back to the day of Pentecost. We'll take that throwback. Come on, throwback church. We're going to make it to heaven someday. God, be seated for a moment. God is still building the church. We can never afford to be about a building. We can't afford to focus on our building and neglect the real building of the church. 
I want to share with you tonight some reports that came in to me today, this year. As we stand tonight, our average membership is over 257. If we include, did I say that wrong, 274. Thank you, 274. We ought to give God glory for that. Our average attendance this year is 226 as of today. To God be the glory. He's building the church. I want to share with you, I don't know if they had the opportunity, it was my bad in queuing this up, Sister Shauna, if you had the time, thank you. There was a lot of misunderstanding on my part, but we, is it there? I want to tell you what this is. Brother Alfonso Suarez came to me a few months, a couple, to a couple of months ago and said, can we start a Spanish Bible study? I said, absolutely. They meet every Tuesday night. They got about 20 brand new Spanish folks that's coming on Tuesday night meeting in our classrooms. So you don't even know it's happening. We're out building a church building. He's here helping us build the church. This church is growing. We're building. Many of these people haven't been baptized in Jesus' name yet. They haven't been connected to the church. They're not counted on the roster. But one of these days, they're going to be counted in the number. We ought to give the Lord praise tonight. Hallelujah. This year already, as of October, God has added 30 new members to Christian Life Church. He's building the church. I said He's building the church. I don't even have the time tonight to talk about the numerous healings and miracles. I don't have the time tonight to talk about all the great things that he can do. But besides just the healings and the miracles, just in case you don't know, back in February, he even raised one from the dead right here in the front. He's building the church. This year... I asked Sister Cheryl today. I thank God for Brother Danny and Sister Cheryl Lytle. You have no idea the weight that they take off of my shoulders, my wife's shoulders. I thank God for them. She's so busy, and yet I asked her over at lunch today if she would. She brought me just a very quick update and report. This year, you have given, in the middle of building a building and sacrificing and giving, over $6,400 we have just given away to missions wow. while we're building a building. I about passed out, literally, this year, since January 1. You have given over $90,000 to possessing our promise. Because you care about the future of the church. Because you know we got to have a building to house where God is taking the church. 
Is this all right? Evangelism. Be seated just for a moment. Evangelism. Steve, come up here by me. Spencer, come over here by me. Steve, come up here with me. Evangelism has been in my heart. Before I ever became the pastor of this church, Brother Price took my wife and I and drove us through the city of Lebanon. And He looked at me and he said, this is my heart, this is my passion. I heard it over and over again. It wasn't my heart. I never felt to go there until I began to pastor this church. And God began to lay it upon my heart to go and establish Daughter Works. In case you have no idea what I meant earlier. When I made this statement that my vision is bigger than our budget, is that I can see Daughter Works being established all over this region. Let me, let me just share something with you. Boone County has almost 60,000 people. It's one of the fastest growing areas of north central Indiana. The city of Lebanon with over 16,000 people. And they do not have a United Pentecostal Church anywhere in Boone County. We have enough musical talent to be able to staff five churches. We have enough young preachers that are ready to take this gospel. We ought to be able to staff five churches. Somebody asked me, somebody asked me, what would you do if you had a million dollars? I said, we'd start two churches and continue to build the one we're having. You know why? Because I'm not worried about gold-plated chandeliers, but I am worried about every lost soul that is going out into eternity lost without God. Spencer was moved a few months ago. He began to go to the city of Lebanon. Many days he went by himself. Several days he connected with some of the young men from our church. And he would take them with him and some of the young ladies as well. Thank God for our young ladies that are bold in faith. We've got a group of young people. I'm so proud of our young men and women. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine that pastors a church several times the size of this church. He pastors a great thriving and growing church in Memphis, Tennessee. We were standing in the back of the auditorium. People began to gather around. I looked and my boys were there and all these young men and young women around the church and I saw the look on his face. As this group of young men and young women began to gather around my wife and I and we were standing there talking. They were standing around and I looked at, he said, who, who are these people? Who are these young men and women? And there was pride in my heart, godly pride, but it was pride. I said, we are so blessed with some of the finest young people and young adults that a church could possibly have. And he spoke of how well-mannered, how well-dressed, 
how well represented that they were as they were standing there in the back of the church looking godly and holy and wholesome and fellowship and in greeting people. I am such a proud pastor tonight. This group of young adults and young people went with Spencer. Many days he would go by himself, but they would go to Lebanon. He would take his mom's credit card or mine. He would buy water bottles or pop or whatever it was for the day that he was going to hand out, and he would walk through the park. He would find people. He would find city workers. Sometimes he would do it here in Frankfurt. I drove... Uh, I was in a, a city meeting here a few weeks ago, and one of the young men said, one of the men in there said, I, I met your, your son. And I said, oh, which one? And he said, oh, you know, the one that's a preacher. I said, which one? <laughs> he said, well, I don't know which one it was. But he said, we were out working, getting ready for the hot dog festival. And he said, he come driving up, got out, had water, started handing water out to everybody saying, God bless you today. You ever get a chance, come by and visit Christian Life Church. This is on behalf of Christian Life Church. He said, man, he said, I've never seen anything like it. No wonder you're having to build a church. <laughs> Spencer, along with a group of young men and women, went over to Lebanon. They've been evangelizing Lebanon. A few weeks ago, Steve, you met Steve when he came to church here, the, the boys called me and said, Dad, we, we're getting ready to baptize somebody in Jesus' name. His name is Steve. Steve was baptized in Jesus' name when there wasn't even a church service going on. I think it was a Thursday night. He was baptized in Jesus' name, received the baptism of the Holy Ghost with six or eight of our young men here laying hands on him and praying over him. God's been blessing Steve's life. He wrote a little letter. I'm going to try to share with you just a little bit, but I just want to tell you, be seated for a moment because I don't want you to miss what's, what Steve wrote in a letter. I have that letter. Steve, I'm going to hold on to that letter and cherish it. He, he wrote it out in ink. It was so precious. As he wrote that letter, he said, I just can't say thank you enough to God and to your son and to the young people in the church that came and cared and loved me when nobody loved me cared for me when nobody else cared anything about me. When other people turned their head and walked on the other side of the street, there was somebody that came to me and said, hey, we love you. We'll help you. And when he did, God blessed him and gave him a job, began to bless his life, began to turn his life around. Steve's still growing in God, but God is blessing Steve because somebody said that we're going to build the church. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? Spencer came to me the other day. He had a list of names. He said, Dad, I got 30 families that said they're ready to start a church with us in Lebanon. The only thing holding us back is a building. And between now and January 1, by the help of the Lord, I'm going to commission two or three people to help us get to Lebanon and find somebody that will rent us a building. If God moves on somebody, maybe somebody listening to the podcast 
we can buy a ready-to-move-into church building that is equipped even with a sound system. All we got to do is turn the lights on and start having church. We can buy for $150,000, and the bank may finance it if God moves on somebody's heart. But if not, we're going to find a storefront or a house or some place that we can get a ministry point started in the city of Lebanon. These young men have already started a church without a building. You don't know Evan very well. He just came with us a few weeks ago. But Evan's here for college. He's out of Brother Shindle's church. Not Shindle's church. Brother Archimbal's church up north. I can't even think of the name of the town. In Kendallville. He came to us. He was at General Conference the other night. He had no idea what God had been speaking into my heart all week, speaking to my speaking into my family's heart all week. What had been going on? I'd been having meetings behind the scenes all week about the church in Lebanon. Friday night, he came up to me, grabbed me by the arm, pulled me over, and said, "Pastor, I'm just feeling so compelled in my heart. We got to go get that church started in Lebanon. And if we can go, I'm there. I'm going to help get it going. I want to do what I can. I'm." telling you, God is building up, growing up a group of young men and young women that are going to take this message. They're going to take it to the streets. They're going to grow the kingdom of God. God, God has filled this year. There's no telling how many he's actually filled with the Holy Ghost that we don't even know about. But we have names, addresses, phone numbers, and connections to 24 people this year that God has filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Since January 1, we have baptized 19 people in the only name That still saves us. And tonight, we're about to take number 20 down in Jesus' name. Somebody ought to give the Lord a shout of praise. God is building the church. God is building the church. Come on, somebody. Somebody ought to rejoice. The angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. The church ought to rejoice when somebody goes down in water baptism in the name of Jesus. Oh, do you remember the day? Do you remember the moment? Oh, come on, church. We ought to be rejoicing tonight. We ought to be rejoicing tonight. There's a new name written down in glory. Go ahead. The Lord filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Last Sunday night, she came to me at conference and said, Pastor, 
can I get baptized on Sunday? I said, we'll see what we can do about it. Oh, go ahead and rejoice with her tonight. What are we going to do about this message that I preached tonight? I tell you what we're going to do. We have work night building a building on Tuesday night. We have church on Wednesday. We have work night on Thursday. We have work day on Saturday. We have church on Sunday. That only gives us Monday and Friday to mow the grass, spend time with family. We're a busy people. Not everybody can drive a nail. Not everybody can help build that building. But there's some folks that may not be able to help build a building, but they can knock on a door. And here's what the Lord inspired me to do between now and the end of the year. Over the next, really, before it gets really harsh winter. Between now and the first portion of December or mid-December by the latest. We're going to do something that we haven't done in several years. But I am going to commission a group of young adults and young ministers and young people. And they are going to assemble and begin to work together. And between now and mid-December, we're going to knock on every door in the city of Frankfurt. And because I got faith to believe they're going to be done early, we're going to start going out into the highways and the hedges and the byways. We're going to go into the surrounding communities. I'm going to challenge some of you to go door to door in your neighborhood telling them about the goodness of the Lord. Somebody said, well, I don't know about that. We're going to do some training. We're going, to, we're going to spend some time to train you. We're going to prepare you. We're going to make it as easy as possible. But everybody that cares about building the church, I want you to be part of what God's going to do. You know what I believe God's going to do? In the next three months, we're going to see these numbers double. We're going to have the highest number of baptisms and the highest number of those receive the Holy Ghost. Not because we're about numbers, but because we're about building the kingdom of God. You can't build without there being a number. The number is what it is. But we're going to do everything within our power to reach everybody we can possibly reach with this gospel message. How many is on... How many is on board tonight in building the church? I know we got you all revved up about building a building. First work day, we had over 50. Now we have about 15. I don't want you just to get revved up because I preach a message about evangelism. But when it comes time that we're going to train people on how we're going to go about this, how we're going to... Go about this mission. I want you to be just as excited then as you are right now. And when you walk up to that door and knock on that door, by the help of the Lord, there's not going to be fear, nothing but faith. You're going to look at that person and say, I've come to pray with you today if there's anything I can pray with you about. And we have a special event going on, and we're going to have several of those over the next few weeks because we're going to have something to put in their hand. And it's going to say we're, here's a, here is an invitation to the next event that we're having. And we're going to place something in their hand that is inviting them to come and be part. I spoke with Sister Cheryl today, and the Lord has inspired me. This year, our Christmas service is going to be more than just a little Christmas service on Sunday. But we're going to make it an evangelism weekend.
That's right, in the middle of Christmas season. We're going to have an evangelism weekend. By the time we get to the awakening, God's going to be blowing the doors off of this building. By the time we get into the awakening, we're going to be half... It's going to be more than Christmas and Easter. We have to park off site. How are you going to do that here? I don't care if I have to start having Saturday night church. We'll have Saturday night church. Three church services on Sunday. Whatever we have to do, we're going to build the church. God is building the church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. If you are committed to building the church, if you are committed to the building of the church, I want you to throw both hands in the air right where you are right now. And I want you to make a commitment to the Lord. God, I'm not going to let anything get in my way. Not my pride. Not my schedule. Not my personal agenda. Come on, commit it to the Lord. God, I'm about building the church. We are about building the church. We are about building the church. Commit it to the Lord. Now I'm about to turn them loose and we're going to sing and worship the Lord for a few minutes. And we're going to rejoice over what God has done and is doing in the church. We ought to end this place excited. Somebody ought to get out in the aisle and dance a little bit tonight. God's building the church. But if you're here tonight and you're not part of the church, I'm not talking about this church, but the church. If you have never repented of your sins, if you have never been baptized in Jesus' name, we have robes available tonight. I have altar workers that are ready to pray with you tonight. If you have never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, evidence by speaking with other tongues, you can receive it tonight. The doors of the church just swung open. The altars are open tonight. If you want to receive the Holy Ghost, if you need a healing, if you need a miracle in your life, whatever you need, you ought to get down here to the front of this room and declare it in the name of the Lord. I'm going to receive what God has for me. I want the fullness of what God has for me tonight. Come on, all over the building, lift up your hands one more time and pray for the power of the Holy Ghost to rest over this congregation. Give courage to that one that is resisting what you are about to do and trying to do in their life. Give them the courage to step out right now, to take a step of faith and respond to the word of the Lord. Respond to the call of God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let it be accomplished in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on now, why don't you turn to two or three people around you. Lay hands on them and pray with them. If somebody's standing next to you, ask them, can I pray with you?